Before we begin today's broadcast, I wanted to take a quick minute to explain why we did not bring you a new episode last week for all of our diehard Wednesday listeners out there, because I know you're out there. The truth is, I had COVID. And let me tell you, I really had it. I'm recovering now, but if my voice sounds a little funny today, that's really why. Now, we have episodes being produced regularly, and the one scheduled for last week, which is the one you are about to hear, was waiting on one last bit of audio from me, but then I got too sick before I could record it. So by the time Wednesday rolled around, the episode sat unfinished, and we simply had to make the call to do the only thing that we really could do, which was skip a week. I know it's not the end of the world, and maybe you didn't even miss me. I mean, I kind of hope you missed me a little bit. But the point is, I made a commitment, a very serious commitment when I started this podcast in September of last year, that I would be here every single Wednesday, no matter what. I just didn't factor in things like getting COVID, things that literally wipe you off the production planet for a solid two weeks. Well, don't worry, I'm already planning to share more of this story with you on the inside story, but it won't be a story about COVID. It'll be a story of remarkable healing, the power of prayer, and what it looks like when love shows up in your life. I'll be recording it very soon, and it will be making its way to the airwaves in the very near future, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we can finally bring you the episode that's been waiting to arrive. And that is with my super fun guest today, Melanie Spring. When you ask a brand storyteller how she defines her personal brand and she says approachable badass, you know you're in for a great story. Melanie Spring is an international keynote speaker and public speaking trainer. She travels the world creating branded experiences for humans just like you to find your story, build your confidence, and amplify your voice. So surely you can see why I invited her onto the show today, right? I mean, what do I always talk about? Finding your story, building your confidence, and amplifying your voice. Those are the same exact words Melanie writes in her bio. Now, when I first met Melanie, I had joined a mutual friends Facebook group for speakers, and it was in there that I got acquainted with Melanie's work and what she brings to the world. Whether you have a desire to get on the big stage or not, I know you'll find this rich conversation around storytelling very inspiring. So much so that maybe by the end of this episode, you will have a desire to speak on a bigger stage. And if you do, Melanie is your girl. So with that, let's get into this episode of the Inside Story podcast with international speaker and trainer and approachable badass, Melanie Spring. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. 
Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Melanie Spring, welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. I am really excited to have you as someone, uh, have you on the guest, has have you on the show as a guest today, as you are someone that I've been kind of like floating around the internet with and, you know, following for a little bit of time and have always just been really fascinated and excited about the work that you do in the world, because obviously it relates to storytelling. So I'm excited to have you today. I want to give you a warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So storytelling is the the crux of what you do. It's the crux of what I do. So that's pretty, you know, fun to me to get to meet other women who are out there doing this amazing work in the world. I know you've worked as a brand strategist and a lot of that has led into figuring out how to teach other people how to really use their story. Can you give us a little bit more of a background as to how that evolution happened? For you, coming from sort of a corporate, teaching brands how to tell their story, and then moving into how to teach people in general how to tell their story? Yeah, for sure. I had a branding agency for about eight years. And during that time, I ended up doing a thing called the Live Your Brand Tour, because I wanted to find out what makes great brands work. And as I went through 7,000 miles in three weeks, I interviewed 18 companies on how they live their brand. And the thing that I figured out the most was the human aspect. And so that story behind it, the humans behind it, the why the founder started it and why like maybe the family behind them or the story of what what they were struggling with at the time and how they were able to come up with their idea or the humans they ended up hiring or working with. Like, it was always leading back to the humans. And so when I started being a public speaking trainer and that was accidental, which we can talk about if you want to, but there was the idea that humans have a story and the story behind the story is what I really wanted to know. Like, why are you sharing the story and where does it come from? And who are you at the the core of who you are? And how can you make sure that you're sharing your story more like you, not like a speaker? Because <laughs> no, thank you. I don't like being a speaker. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that fits perfectly with, you know, what we talk about here with the inside story, because I kind of have the same thing where it's like, it's always, there's a story and then there's the inside story, right? There's like the the behind the scenes curtain um, story. And so when you think about that for yourself, we I do want to get into how you became a speaker trainer. I know that will evolve. We'll get there. But when when did you start figuring this out for yourself? Like what was and is the inside story of Melanie Spring? Well, the the speaking training piece of it was that I was a brand strategist who was struggling with wanting to not have to deal with client work. And as a brand strategist, the only thing you can do is client work. Like there's not like other stuff you can do with that. And I started thinking about what would I do instead? And my whole team was like, well, if you didn't have to pay us, what would you do? And I was like, well, I'd be a full-time speaker. And they're like, well, then why don't you do that? I'm like, that's not like a thing. Like I can't just be a full-time speaker. I don't know any full-time speakers. That's crazy. Until I started speaking and I was like, Oh, so this is like a like people can actually make a really good living doing this. Oh, that's really cool. And what's crazy is the accidental piece of the whole thing was not that I was just like, oh, well, I accidentally started training people. My friend Patrick was like, hey, you need a demo video. I'm a videographer. Why don't we get a theater 
and some people. And I was like, I don't want to just get people to come listen to me. And he's like, well, then why don't you train your friends on how you do what you do? And I was like, oh, I could do that. Like, I've been doing that for years. So like, sure, why don't I just help them learn their talk? And I wasn't thinking I'm going to train them to be speakers. I was just going to help them write a better talk and get up on stage and give it. And once I started doing it, it was like flow happened where like, it was so easy. And then I looked, I mean, my photographer is amazing, but she kept capturing me looking like a proud mom sitting in the front row with like my whole body forward, like the biggest smile on my face, like, yes, you did it. <laughs> and it was just like, I finally realized I am the person who needs to be doing this because it lights me up so much and it helps other people be able to say what they need to say. Oh, I love that. And and this, I guess, is now what's evolved into your Speak With Confidence retreat that you do. Which is exactly that. You bring people in and get them on stage and you you give them all the tools that they need to, you know, create, craft and write a really great speech and then deliver that speech. And then you record them and they get the demo reel. They get the photos. They get the whole shebang, which is yeah. such an amazing offer. So how long have you been doing that now? that speak with confidence retreat four years amazingly four years ago we launched our very first video that said hey we're gonna do this thing and we called it rock your talk at the beginning so it wasn't like speak with confidence at that time but i realized i was like this is a really cool idea but i was really not wanting to do it i was like this is a lot of work and it's really hard to do this which is why nobody else does this because it's like lots and lots of little pieces although all the humans i mean there's a team that's almost as big as the group of people coming to be able to put on this production and the more I kept doing it, the more I'm like, but people are changing. Like th they walk in one way and they leave a completely different way thinking, well, but they're not just coming for the talk. Like the inside of it is that they're really coming to figure out what's the thing that's in their way. What's standing between them and the thing that they want. What's standing between them and being who they want to be. And it's not like the talk is like the, that cute little thing in the middle that I'm like, oh, you guys get to talk and you get to go be speakers now. But in reality, I had one person, her story shifted a lot for me. She left the retreat and didn't talk to me for a year. And I thought something happened. I thought like she got offended by something or like somebody was like, said something they shouldn't have. And I was, I'm always really clear about like, if you have anything happen to you, please let me know so that I can help you either work through it. We can change something. If it's not working for you, let me know. And just silence for a year. And I got an email a year later that said, I realized at your retreat, that I wasn't being the human I was supposed to be. So I had to go home and blow up my life. So I left my husband, I left my house, I changed companies. I decided like I'm getting rid of everything and starting over. And it was the catalyst for me to finally go, I'm not stepping up in the life that I wanna live. And I'm like, well, but we, wait, I thought we were just doing speaking. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, this is like personal development work at the end of it where we're going so deep with people to figure out where their talks and stories come from that they're starting to realize that they need to be the person who can give that talk or say that story. So it's a totally different, I mean, I'm a speaker trainer, but I totally buck the system <laughs> too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it is, it's, it's totally an inside job, you know, getting people to, to really examine their story and what is the message they want to give out into the world. Right. And you have to be in alignment with that. You've got to be, okay with it. You've got to, you've got to own that story. You can't let that story be something that is holding power over you. And, you know, just the fact that you now, you know, call that speak with confidence. That's the, the piece. That's like the magic piece, isn't it? It's like watching people sort of unfurl and bloom in front of you and find their confidence and, you know, 
find their own inner light is what I call it. You know, like being light beamers is really learning to really tap into that source. I mean, what a cool gig to have to get to do that and, and see that in other people constantly. You're like, yeah, get, get stories like that when they come back a year later and they're like, oh, by the way, I've, you know, completely changed everything about my life because of something that you played a role in. How cool is that? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, as much, that's why I think I bucked the speaker trainer quote, like that title, because someone asked me, they said, what, what is the difference between you and other speaker trainers? And I'm like, I'm a full-time speaker. I'm not a, I'm not a speaker trainer. Like I'm a full-time speaker who gets on stage and does the work. And then when people need to be more them, they're like, okay, I want to be more like that. How do you get to go up there and look like you're just chatting with people and being more you on stage? And I'm like, well, it's amplifying the who I already am. Like, I'm not trying to change it and become a speaker robot. Like I'm, I'm trying to make sure that people can show up bigger and better and be more them, not change them and be a different person on stage. And I think that that's the difference is I'm not trying to make you follow a method or you have to do these things in order to be a great speaker. Like, no, you have to be more you, the more you, you can be. And the more you're tapped into who you really are, the more you can actually amplify that on stage. So when did you get started speaking? You know, cause I know anybody that's done speaking, there's, there's a journey. The first time you get on stage, you want to throw up. I mean, it's just awful. <laughs> or, or maybe, I don't know, but that was my experience. I don't know if that's everyone else's, but it's nerve wracking. Um, I didn't have confidence right away. So what was it like for you? When did you first start speaking? Do you remember your first speaking gig that felt like, holy crap, this is a big deal? I mean, I took public speaking in college and I was a communications major. So like speaking wasn't like a scary thing for me until it was terrifying. And so when I first started my branding agency, I was at this church that um, where the pastor asked me if I would give a little talk on tithing. And I was like, sure, I have some great stories about that. My dad and, you know, like not having a lot when we were kids, but he was always such a big tither at church and like, just like learning about what it means to give back and give to other people and like give to the church or whatever. Like I just had to give like a five minute talk and I wrote it out and I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be so amazing because I know these stories. Da, da, da. There were like 50 people at my church. Like it was a very tiny church in Bethesda. And it was just one of those things where I got up there and I wrote the whole talk out. And then I stood there shaking like a leaf, like the whole paper was moving because I was so terrified. I didn't even look up from the paper the whole time. And so what's funny is I had a lady in the audience that I reached out to shortly after that. And I was like, hey, I started my business. This was like 12 years ago. I started my business and I'm like, I need to start giving talks because I got asked by a credit union, can you give a talk about branding? And I was like, I know a lot about branding. That sounds great. But I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, how, how do I talk about this in a way that like, I'm talking to my clients, but I'm not giving a workshop on it. And she was like, well, let me come in and, and show you. And she was a four-time Emmy-winning TV producer and, um, and reporter. And I was like, awesome, you're going to be able to help me. This is going to be amazing. She walks in my office and she goes, you're way less nervous than you were at church that one time. I thought you were like a lost cause. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, but you know this stuff. This is stuff that you talk about every day. And the thing that she told me that shifted literally everything 12 years ago was instead of trying to get up there and give a talk, pretend that you're just sitting there having a client conversation across the table. How would you start that? And how would you tell them stories about other clients that you worked with? And how would you explain the branding process to them? How would you give them the information that they need? And I was like, oh, so I don't have to be a speaker? 
That's so much less pressure. Okay. So much less pressure. Yeah. So yeah. So 12 years ago, I started giving talks. And I mean, I looked, I mean, I looked like a very like young librarian when I was doing it, which is <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different story. But I had long brown hair that was like this cute little cardigan and like a cute little skirt that just went to my knees. And I was teaching from my slide, you know, like that kind of thing. I will go back and change everything about that now. But at the time, that's what I needed to be able to like get things moving. And it was just having that conversation. It was one thing that shifted it all. I'm like, just have to talk to them. Like they're my clients. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Totally. That, that resonates completely with something that I say all the time. I, you know, I, I come from a TV background and I, you know, back in the day had to get on and do live reports long before live streaming was a thing on social media. Social media didn't even exist back then. And when I had to go out and do those live reports, when I first got started in my career, I was terrible at it. I was so nervous and thinking about all the people that were live. I could go do recorded reports. That was easy because I could edit, edit it, you know, and make it look good, make it sound good. But the live reports were a completely different thing. And so in the beginning, when I, you know, was really trying to hustle and make a name for myself in my career, you know, I knew that I had to get better at that. I was like, you know, I'm not going to move up in the markets if I don't get better at this. And so that was one of the things that I thought about for myself. And I, I, I was just thinking, how can I make this better? so that I'm not so nervous, you know, I had to, I had to think about how can I get over this because I can't stay nervous and I can't continue to suck at this. I need to get better. And that was the thing I thought, you know, I'm over here thinking about all these people that are going to be watching me on the six o'clock news or whatever live. And I can't think about that. That's way too many eyeballs. That's way too many people. That's way too much pressure. For this like, you know, 28 year old person, that's all, you know, it's 26, 27, 28 at the time. And I just decided, you know, I'm not going to think about all those people. I'm just going to think about, I'm delivering this message. I'm delivering this story to my best friend. And so that's something I share with my clients today. I'm like, you know, if you're getting on social media, you're doing live stream or you're getting on stage, like you, you really just have to approach it like the audience is your friend, because they are, you know, and the thing about speaking, you know, I think that people get on stage thinking the audience is out to get them. The audience is there because they want to be there. (laughs) They actually cheering for you. They want you to succeed. Exactly what you just said. And I, I try to liken it over like, if you had to give this talk over a cup of coffee with a friend, how would you say it? How would you, you wouldn't start off with, hi, how's your coffee? Is it delicious? Because that's what most speakers do when they get on stage. They're like, hey, I hope you've had your coffee this morning. You're like, come on, don't start that way. How would you start the conversation? Would you ask a question? Would you start with sharing what just happened before you got there? Like, what's the story you would start with? And how can you make sure that you're actually starting from that place, not from a place of, okay, fine, I'm going to ask you about your coffee? Because nobody wants to talk about the weather. Nobody wants to talk about like, (laughs) the basics we want to jump into our stories and understand that like we are those people in everyday life let's be that on stage too yeah absolutely so from 12 years ago with that shaky paper giving that message at your church to where you are now how would you say um speaking and being a speaker quote quote speaker but how would you say your work has changed you oh man Well, it's made me much more humble. I mean, I knew I was a good speaker before I went full time to do it. I don't think I would have done it if I didn't think I was a good enough speaker to make money doing it. But at the same time, learning from other people, I think I learn as much from 
the people I'm training as they're learning from me, if not more, I think I learn more from them. And it's really shown me how much I need to keep up leveling my speaking because as much as I'm like, okay, I'm a great speaker and I'm a professional speaker trainer. Like I help people with this. It's a, it's always evolving and growing. Like I'm not the same person I was 12 years ago when I first gave that talk. I'm not even kind of the same human being and I won't be 10 years from now. Like just being able to continue to evolve it and know that I'm not going to just keep giving the same talk for the next 10 years. I have to keep moving forward. So that's what's changed me the most. So what inspires you when you're, when you're wanting to change up a talk, right? Like, cause you're not giving the same talk that you gave 12 years ago, probably not even giving the same talk that you gave four or five years ago. So how do you look at the world and where do you find your inspiration for the stories that you can add to new and upcoming talks that you're developing? I talk about everyday stories a lot. So we have stories that happen to us every single day. So like the not epic stories, but the everyday stories are the most important, like one word every day, not like every single day, but like the everyday boring stories, the mundane, the stuff that just happens. That's the stuff that connects most to most people. Like I've been on stages with people who are like Olympic skiers who are also blind. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot. Like I can't, I can't connect with that. Like, I think it's amazing and inspiring and like, holy crap, if I ever have to, like, if I go blind, like, I hope I do something at that level, but I'm not going to connect that same way as I am. If I tell you, Hey, I got divorced when I was 24 and I lost my house when the market crashed. And like, I can tell you those kinds of stories because they're every day. They're not epic. They might be to other people, but like, they're not epic. They're pretty every day. Like everyone's gone through stuff like that. It's like when recently people started sharing about having miscarriages and that kind of blew up the world. Like nobody talks about this stuff. How, how are people talking about this? I'm like, it's an everyday thing. Like, this is not like epic. This happens a lot all the time. And if you can connect to those things that are just not being talked about, or maybe a little bit on the side of like, that's almost bordering like a little crazy, whatever that is. It's not, it's not something that we shouldn't talk about. It's something we probably should be talking about because then more people are like, oh, me too. That's how the whole Me Too movement even started. So it's like one person shared a story and then another person was like, yes, same. And it continued on. So I think it's remembering that we have all these stories that happen to us every single day. And how do we pick up those everyday stories and bring them into our talks? So typically when I'm reworking a whole talk, I'm actually going, all right, what clients have I worked with recently? What content has happened recently? What's happened in my life recently that I can share? Or like, how can I move some stories around or replace them to make it a different talk, but not a completely different talk? So I'm not writing a brand new talk from scratch all the time. I'm just updating the one that I have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's great. a great tip. You know, I always say that too, just like really looking at your life through the lens of storytelling, you know, just like, hey, what did, what did I notice today? Or you know, what interesting thing happened or what weird thing happened or, you know, at the grocery store, if you see an exchange between two people and you witness it, maybe you're like a voyeur, you know, and you notice like this interesting or weird or unusual thing, like those are clues. Pay attention to that because those are really good, juicy stories to maybe infer your own influence into them and then, you know, massage it out to to create some sort of link it back to the message you want to be sharing. So I love that. And then like, you know, you said, working with your clients and working with the speakers that come in to get help with their talks, what are some of the things that you notice with them over and over again? Like, what are the same common stumbling blocks that people are experiencing or the things that are holding them back from really, 
you know, rocking the stage is what, you know, eventually ends up happening. But what are the common things that you notice over and over again? Well, most of the time when even in the very beginning, most people will look at their stories and go, no one cares about this. Why would anyone want to hear this story? Why does why why does me telling the story even matter? Like everyone knows this already or whatever that thing is. So it's usually like some sort of block in them going it does, I don't matter. My stories aren't important. And the one thing I say a lot is it's not about you and your story matters. So if you take the pressure off of you that it, your story isn't about you anymore, like once you share with other people, it's actually for them. It's not for you. And it's also, it matters. Like it matters so much in allowing yourself to go, I matter, my story matters, and I have to share this or I'm doing a disservice to other people. That takes so much of the pressure off. <laughs> It does. I mean, you know, that's exactly my whole tagline with Lightbeamers is that when you share your story, you shine a light and the light is you're shining it for someone else at that point. Right. Um, I mean, it is so true. And I think I see that, too, that so many people think their story is boring, like nobody's going to care. And like you said, not everyone has the story of being an Olympic skier and going and winning a gold medal while being blind. I mean, (laughs) yeah, those are pretty amazing. But actually, it is the boring stories that um, connect the most because, you know, we're all kind of walking around with those same types of stories. So I love that. That's that's what you're, you're noticing, too. And then what happens when they realize their story can have an impact? What sort of feedback are you getting when they finally go and share that story? What unfolds? They see that they can keep going. So I usually give people a challenge. Share one simple story. Like, start there. Don't go like let me tell you about the time that I had this horrible thing happen or the abuse that I've dealt with or whatever. Like, don't, you don't have to go that far. You can, if you want to, but like also know your boundaries, of <laughs> like, where are you willing to go vulnerable? But at the same time, like, can you share a little tiny piece of your soul or a piece of your history or a piece of you with someone else that gives you one step into the waters of, Ooh, this isn't so bad. Maybe I could share another one, or maybe I can share another. And then you hear stories back. I mean, most of us, are having conversations because of the other side of it. Like we hear a story and we're like, oh, hey, I have something similar to that. I mean, have you ever had a conversation with someone about, hey, I got in this horrible car accident when I was whatever. And they're like, oh my God, I had a horrible car accident with this. And like, oh yeah, I had a, got a ticket. And did you ever see this? I saw this horrible car accident. Like we can trigger memories from people just by sharing one simple story. And then you hear like this whole thing that you never would have heard before because you you gave a little bit and they gave you the rest. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this, obviously, like this is just the general population, right? Like we connect with people through the storytelling. But, you know, when we talk about, I know there's a lot of business people that listen to this podcast and I'm thinking, you know, how important that try to talk about this all the time about there's a place for this also inside your company, (laughs) There's a place for this inside your culture of developing your people and getting your people to connect with each other. Um, And I know you have, you know, a lot of brand story background, and I know you're still working with companies on how to infuse more storytelling and what they do. What are you finding in that space also? Like, obviously, can that help us connect with just humans and friends and neighbors and people in our community? But what about like people that we do business with? Well, I think a lot of people are forgetting about story in business. And I mean, the reason I'm teaching people this is because I'm like, I want you to know that you can tell stories. You can tell personal stories. They can infuse personal stories into their business life. They can share client stories. I mean, we don't have to go super, super vulnerable with people in business, but we can, like we're allowed to. And I think it just figure we have to figure out what our 
boundaries or borders are with that piece of it. And how do we, how are we willing to share that? Like, we're going to talk to the human on the other side of it. We're not going to be talking to everybody, but like, let's say that we're talking to our boss. We're going to tell certain stories to our boss that we're not going to tell the coworker in the cubicle next to us. Like we're going to tell way different stories to that person than we would to our boss. But at the same time, how are we able to show up in a way that allows us to be willing to share more of our stories and more of ourselves to connect those people, including our clients or the people we're working with, however we're working with them, knowing that our stories do matter and that we can share them, even if it isn't just the corporate stuff or just the client stuff, we can also share some of our personal stuff because then it connects us to each other a little better. Yeah. It just makes us so much more empathetic. I have found, you know, less judgmental and more empathetic towards, you know, Hey, I'm not going to be so hard on that person. Cause I know that there's, I know the human behind the desk, you know, if you will. So I think it's so important. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and like talk about professional speaking. A lot has changed this past year with events, right? Like you, uh, I imagine you probably haven't been on stage quite as much as you normally are. What has, what has been your take on how the industry has shifted with, you know, hiring speakers and bringing them in for events? Oh man, I haven't done a speaking gig in a year. Like I've done speaking gigs, but like not in person on a stage. So a year ago, I mean, February, 2020 was the last time I did a speaking gig in person and got on an airplane even. So it's been a long time, but it's also been an interesting shift because, so you might not know this about me, but I'm an introvert and introverts get energy from being alone, which has been great. Like, I'm going to tell you that I've gotten to know my husband better this last year. I'm like, I've been able to be home more, which I love. I don't really love traveling that much. I like going places. I don't like having to get there. That's the part that I don't like. But I also realized that being on stage in person gives me energy and allows me to like feed off the energy where being on video for the last year and giving speaking gigs on video, I've done full day trainings on video, which is exhausting but in a totally different way than on stage. And so what I've seen over the last year is people have been booking different ways of doing things. So the first like six months, everyone was like, oh, we'll go back to in-person soon, so we'll just wait. And then after six months, they're like, just kidding. Uh, how do we do this in a way that connects people? And I think the biggest thing I've seen is that most speakers don't do a lot of interactive stuff on video like they would in an audience. And that's that's a disservice to the people who are listening because if we as speakers can, I. I call it the brown M&M's clause. And did you, do you remember Van Halen's brown M&M's clause? Oh, yes. Yes. What, it, that's all they could have in the green room. Yeah. So they didn't want brown M&M's in the green room. So if they found brown M&M's, they knew that the person didn't read the contract and they just got in trouble for trashing dressing rooms all the time. The problem was that they actually did it for a reason because they said, if they don't notice that this is in the contract, that means they also didn't read that the stage weighs this amount and has to be on this kind of barrier. And someone actually died because someone didn't read it. And so like, they've been really careful to have like specific things in their contract. I say that to say that when I first started, people would just like throw me into like a Microsoft Teams room or a, a Zoom webinar room. And I realized that I don't like speaking to a black space. I don't like speaking to myself. I'm like, I'll pre-record that if you really want me to. And then you can play it for people. If you want to pay me the same amount, I don't care. But I'd rather be on a Zoom meetings group where I can see people's faces. And I actually give away spots to my speaker training because I'm like, if I see your face and you're chatting and you're sharing in whatever way, then I'm going to enter you to, to win spots in my speaker training because I want to see your faces and I want to interact with you because I feed off of that energy. So I have that clause in my contract now where I'm like, 
I will even upgrade my own Zoom to not have to deal with Teams or webinars so that I can just do this my way. But it's really figuring out what my energy needed in order to show up for the people and then be able to give them the rules when we start to interact so that they're not thinking, oh, I'll just jump on and like be off video and do other things while I'm listening. I want them to interact with me and to really, truly get stuff out of it. But I also have to be an engaging speaker. It can't just be like, oh, well, you guys are a terrible audience. Like, that's like people falling asleep in your audience, you blaming them for it. Like, you have to be interactive for them to be able to interact with you. So a lot has changed in the last year, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's things that we get to learn about ourselves. And so maybe you have a little bit more personal awareness about what does fuel you and help you and how to navigate. You know, you've gotten probably more clear about what you expect on those calls, which is really, really good. Okay. I also want to touch on the fact that you said you're an introvert because I hear this all the time. Okay. I probably am not so much of an introvert. I probably would be more classified as an extrovert. However, I have learned that I have, a t there's a space of me that is introverted. Like I have to go inward to refuel. So I'm probably the extrovert that needs her introverted time. Whereas it sounds like you might be more introverted who gets the energy from your extroverted time. A lot of women that I talk to who would classify themselves as pure on, you know, full on introverts also think and say this limiting belief that, oh, that's not for me, like getting on stage and speaking or sharing my story. Like those are for you inter extroverted type people who really love to talk to people and, and don't get scared and freaked out by that. But people who are introverted feel, you know, a lot of, a lot more self-conscious around that. So I'd love for you to talk to our introvert friends who are listening to this episode and how would you say you have been able to execute the career that you have and teaching other people uh, what you do being a classified introvert? Well, so I am a, an introvert by nature and an extrovert by nurture. So my mom was an extrovert. She just raised me to be extroverted, which is really frustrating as a kid, teenager, young adult to like have to talk to other people. So it's against my nature to do this. I just learned that I can. So I have a little bit of a, a home court advantage with that. But at the same time, I also realized that like, so introverts are some of the best public speakers I've ever seen. So extroverts are actually hard because they want to just sit there and chit chat with all of the people where an introvert can stay super focused and get the message across and rock the shit out of it. The problem is the introvert will get off stage and leave. The extrovert will stay, get clients and keep going. So that's the difference between the introvert extrovert piece is the public speaking is a breeze for a lot of introverts once they get over the, like, like you said, limiting belief that I can't do that. Once they do that, like they start doing it and they're like, oh, I'm really good at this. I can get in the zone and I can really give this story and I can really interact with the audience because I'm up here and they're coming to see me. That's the classic introvert. If I'm hosting an event, I can crush that event. If I'm coming and getting on stage, done. If I get off stage and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I get to go talk to Melanie, I'm in heaven. The problem is, is most people are like, oh, I'm an introvert. I have to leave now because I have to go recharge my energy. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to save enough energy after being on stage to then interact with an audience who's coming to you, which is your favorite part of the introverted piece is like when people come to you, it's easy because it's not about being outgoing. You can be outgoing when people come to you. You just don't want to have to go to people. So like the pre stuff is really hard for us introverts because we're like, hi, yeah, no, I'm in the speaker. Yeah, I really want to <laughs> talk to you. 
like, hi, no, but like, I am the speaker. And so afterward, you're like, yeah, everyone's here for me. Yes, that's amazing. So it's the, it's the managing the energy on stage, because most of us put all of our energy into the stage performance, and then we have nothing left over for the end. And we have to keep some of that energy for the interaction afterward. So I would say introverts galore, please, please sign up for speaking and like, learn how to tell your story, because you're the best people to do that. Sorry, extroverts, but it's true. <laughs> I would totally agree with you because again, I, you know, identify more as an extrovert and, you know, you nailed it. I think you nailed it about just them being able to focus, like get in, get out, like you're, you're hyper about it, you know, and you can, you know, deliver the message and probably much more clear where, you know, someone like me, I can deliver the message, but I also want to tell you 10,000 other things. And so, uh, you know, it is a little bit harder for me to like rein it in and, and truly get to the heart of things sometimes. And it, it takes a lot of practice and work, but you're absolutely right too about, I can also stay in a room and like turn that experience into something beyond that day or that event or that speaking. Uh, whereas introverts, you know, I would agree, like tend to like, okay, I'm done. See ya. And they forget that piece of it because that piece is really important. So I love that you, that you shared that. And so are there any tricks that you do for yourself to get yourself ready for a big speaking engagement as an introvert? (laughs) Well, one, I can tell you that the, the speaking doesn't start when you get on stage or when you get off and it doesn't end when you get off. So what I've realized is being a brand expert is kind of a good thing for me because I know how to show my brand ahead of time. So when I show up, I actually look like the person I am on my website and in my marketing materials and the wet, the link that goes out to people, which a lot of people don't, which I'm really surprised by because if you're a public speaker, making sure that like, if you're, if your hair is blonde for a certain amount of time, like ladies, we like to change our hair colors or our styles and whatever get new pictures of your new hair and post those so that people can go, oh, you're the speaker. Oh, yeah. Hi. How are you? Because as an introvert, you're like, oh, good. People are coming to me. That feels so nice. And I don't have to like try to convince them that I'm something really big because like I am and I know it, but like you guys don't yet. So you'll see it. But it's making sure that your brand is updated ahead of time so that when people meet you, they're like, oh, you're the speaker. Yay. I want to talk to you. Then thinking about right beforehand, really getting your energy up because like I am like already going, okay, I am already at the end of my talk in my head before I even get started. So I'm like, okay, I'm already done. And then I have to like keep my energy for making sure that I can talk to people after when in reality, I'm like, okay, but I can stay focused and present and take a few minutes ahead of time. Although I'm telling you, practice the heck out of your talk, making sure that you know what you're going to say, make sure all your slides are set up, making sure you have the time. But right beforehand, something will probably trigger you to forget something. So like, you'll get a text that something happened to your dog and you'll be like, I have to get on stage right now. What's shit. Okay. Um, so turning off your devices is really important right before you get on stage. So you have the little bit of like wiggle room. Cause if that dog needs to go to the hospital, it'll still be needing to go to the hospital by the time you're done with your talk. So just like, let it be. You're like, I need 15 minutes dog. Just give me a second. Like I need my little bit of time. So having that schedule ahead of time, but also right before you get on stage, taking some really deep breaths to get grounded and get centered, rolling your shoulders back, doing a power pose, all that stuff. But the one thing that I tell people as they get on stage, this is the most important part of getting on the stage, getting ready right before you get on stage, walking up on the stage. If you can get a song that really jazzes you up and get them to play it, awesome. If you can't, that's okay too. Just do it in your head. But as you walk across the stage, take a deep breath and smile, stand in one spot, 
and just look around the room and don't say anything, but like sit there and go, and then say your first 10 words. That's it. If you forget literally everything else, you started off like rocking the heck out of it and it doesn't really matter. But your first 10 words are the most important because if you say any, if you have no idea what your first 10 words are, you're like, well, what am I supposed to say? Oh, hey, how's it going? Like I said, the whole coffee thing, like, hey, how's your coffee? I hope you're ready for this talk. And then you get into it and you're like, well, now I'm off beat. Now I can't even like, what? okay. But if you breathe, smile and look around the room, they start giggling a little because they're like, ooh, what's she going to say? This is going to be amazing. And then you say your first 10 words, like I was on a train from DC to New York. That's it. That's all you have to say but you'll know the rest of it. You'll know what's next because you've practiced the heck out of it. So knowing that you can get into it with full confidence, even if you don't feel like it, walking in with that state, you're good. Oh, I love that. Say your first 10 words. Such a great tip. And breathing, you know, just really remembering to breathe, you know, uh, it's huge. Oh gosh, I love all of this. I love all of this. Okay, so we are all about you know, getting people to share their story, especially encouraging women to know that they have a story and then to figure out a way to share that story with someone else. It may involve getting on stage and doing, you know, the Melanie Spring thing, but it may not. So what do you say to people who want to learn how to share their story, but say, Melanie, I, it's, the stage is not my goal, but I still want to learn how to have confidence in my story. What would you say to them? Well, I I just posted about this this morning. And whenever you hear this in whatever space you are, definitely look at something that I've posted. It's probably going to say similar things to what I'm about to say, but it's coming in with a you're welcome attitude. So a lot of us, especially women, apologize when we walk into a room. Oh, sorry, I'm late. Oh, sorry. Can I, do you mind if I say something? Oh, excuse me. Or even in emails, sorry, I didn't get back to you within five minutes. <laughs> Like whatever that is, we apologize for everything. And even if we're just like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. It's like a filler word now. It's almost like a throwaway thing. And most of us aren't apologizing for anything because we're not really sorry for anything. We're just using it as a, an apology. Like, I'm sorry I'm here, which, hi, we've, we've worked really hard to not be quiet and to be able to say what we want to say and do the work that we want to do. How about we stop apologizing? So if you're thinking about your story or thinking about a story or even thinking about just sharing you with someone else coming in with a you're welcome attitude. And this means walking in and going in your head, not like the guy would do it where he's like, you're welcome. Do that in your head. Like picture the, the let's say 50 year old white dude in your head of like, how would he say you're welcome right now? He'd be like, you're welcome. Like do that in your head before you walk in a room and be like, <laughs> I'm amazing. Yes, thank you very much. I am the gift. I don't have gifts. I'm not giving you my gifts. I am the gift. And being able to come in with that attitude shifts the energy a little. And it also allows us to go, I am here for a reason. I don't have to apologize for being. I am the best thing that happened to them. Because I'm going to tell you right now, most of us don't believe that. And so we're walking in with the like, oh, like, oh, what am I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for bothering you, I'm sorry for interrupting, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when in reality, if we put our shoulders back and go, you're welcome, we walk in with a different attitude, even if we don't believe it, it's like that fake until you make it idea, mm -hmm. say it until you believe it, say it until you believe it, say it until you believe it, until you walk in those rooms and you don't even have to think about saying you're welcome, you just know 
they are welcome for your presence. I love that. I'm totally going to be walking around today going, you're welcome. I'm going to do a Facebook Live later today because I got something planned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, you're welcome. I totally love that, Melanie. That reminds me, um, we were watching, what is it, American Idol? I, what, I really don't even watch it hardly anymore, but we actually had it on last night. And Lionel Richie is, uh, is one of the judges on American Idol currently. And it's Lionel Richie, right? These kids are going in and singing with you know, before Lionel Richie and all the other amazing um, judges. But one of the guys was like, do you know what Lionel Richie says every morning when he get, gets up and, you know, gets going in the morning? Uh, and so they're like, Lionel, tell, tell him what you do. And he gets up and he looks himself in the mirror and he goes, I'm Lionel Richie. You know, like I am Lionel Richie, right? And so we need to be waking up going, you know, I am April Pertwee. And I am Melanie Spring. You know, we got to carry that Lionel Richie because even Lionel Richie gets up in the morning and has to remind himself that he is Lionel Richie, you know? And so (laughs) I love that kind of the same kind of vein of what you're saying about you're welcome. You know, here we go. I am, uh, you got to adopt that Lionel Richie attitude too. So love it, love it, love it. Okay, we're going to link up your your Instagram and all the channels so people can be like hunting down that post once once they hear this once they hear this podcast episode. So I know that you have um, you know a couple of big things that you do that we want to let people know how they can plug in more to to what you're offering out into the world. So you have your Speak with Confidence uh, speaker training, which is a in person workshop. It's like what three or four days that you do those in Denver, Colorado, a couple of times a year. Is that right? Yeah, we do it twice a year. And it's the, in 2021, it'll be in May and August. And it's four nights, three days, all inclusive. And it's between 12 and 16 humans who come together to do this work together. So it's a small workshop, but it gets people on stage. And some people get a demo video and photography and the speaking website and like the whole thing, like the brand behind you on stage. But a lot of people walk away with like the simplest thing. Let me say this is the simplest thing of it is at the end, they're looking at them going, I didn't get trained like every other person there. I got trained to be more me. Whatever that is, it's not like, oh, she gave the same instruction for ev- to every single person. People have tried that. They've been like, oh, well, Melanie tells her to kick her hip out. And I was like, no, that looks sloppy on you. She's like, but you told her to do it. And I was like, because it looked powerful on her. I don't want you to do that. It looks sloppy on you. And she's like, how is that possible that you're doing this differently for everyone? But that's why we do it in person. And we also have a 90-day challenge that gives people the online access of, it, of the whole course too, where they can actually do it over the course of 90 days. We have some that includes group coaching if you wanted to do like group calls to stay on track. But then I also do a one-on-one immersive program where people can come just with me for an all-inclusive up-leveling. So like if you want to take your job to the next level or you want to take your speaking from like, I speak sometimes to I want to be a full-time speaker or I want to build this as a business, whatever that is, that's when I do one-on-one work with people, which is even deeper work. Cause it's like I said before, it's not speaker training. It goes way deeper than that. So if you want to clear some space for that, I do that too. I love it. And that's at melaniespring.com. We will link up Melanie's website and all of her social media channels. Go follow her. She's another light in the world that is teaching this stuff, that's sharing the stories and encouraging other women to to share their voice in the world. And if getting on stage is a goal or just learning more confidence around your story, you're not going to learn it from me. Go learn it from Melanie because she is amazing, amazing. And I adore following you. And I'm so glad that we got to actually connect and sort of meet 
you know, officially meet and have a one-on-one conversation. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Um, I'm going to let you leave with one parting concept or idea around storytelling that if, if, if whoever's listening to this, they get one thing from you, what do you want them to know? I want them to know that you matter. You matter and your story matters and the content that you're sharing matters and whatever is in your head, nobody else has ever thought it like you have. So you matter and you have to share your story and you're doing yourself a disservice and so many people a disservice if you don't share it. So share yourself and say you're welcome. (laughs) You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melanie, for being my guest today on the Inside Story. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.